that song, we, ended, we, we started playing that song. It's an elevation worship song. And we started playing that as a, as a Christmas song, actually, because, you know, Christmas season, we celebrate that, that God did come and meet us. He came, he, he stepped down from, uh, from heaven to earth, to this nasty, stinking place, was born in a manger. Come on, we, we're getting off on Christmas now, but we sang about that and the goodness of God that he would meet us where we're at. But let me tell you something, he still does. Come on. Doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter if you're looking at a at, at a at a at a medical procedure getting ready to happen. Doesn't matter if you're if you're looking at you think you're about to get fired tomorrow. Come on. You can walk through those situations in peace, knowing that God is good. Amen. Amen. Come on. And so I'm excited about that. And I'm kind of gonna preach on that this Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we're gonna get off on, onto something called miserably saved. And you said, what is he talking about? Miserable. When I got saved, I was happy. I think some of us might know some folks that know Jesus, and they should be singing this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me, but they're still frowning. So I want to I open that up a little bit this morning. First lady, thank you for backing me up. Uh, church family, I want to remind you uh, that we are going to begin something neat this Wednesday night. Um, with our uh, Grow You Summer Session, Breakout Session. So I'm excited about that. Let me give you just a little bit of direction on that. Um, so just to remind you what we're doing, uh, we're not going to do mud bugs, ladybugs. Uh, we're going to uh, gather up in smaller groups. And so uh, Sister Nelda is going to do a, a Bible teaching. She's going to do a Bible study. That's going to be in the fellowship hall. Um, Brittany and I are going to do, uh, we're going to talk about marriage and family. Well, that's going to be in here. And then Pastor Daphne is going to teach finance, uh, what the Bible says about finances. Because the Bible talks about finances a lot. Come on. And uh, she's going to be over in the annex. And so I'm excited. Y'all dive into that with us. It's going to be good. Uh, I, I'm ready for that. So um, another thing. I think that's it. That's the only thing I had. I'm sorry. Uh, so let's look at this. So what are you, what are you talking about, Pastor? Miserably saved. Have you ever met anyone, no names, look at me, no fingers, no eyes, all right, it's a judgment-free zone, okay? No, listen, have you ever met someone, and you know this person, maybe they grew up in church, but they've been going a long time, or maybe they came to know Jesus, but they still just seem to not have that joy in their heart, and you're like, dude, what's going on with you? Have you ever encountered somebody? They just, they just kind of were just mad all the time. And you think, how are you so, how are you so, so, uh, such a downer, man, when you know Jesus? And I don't, maybe you haven't had the same thought, but I kind of think that when I meet somebody and they, uh, usually it's someone's been going to church a very, very long time. They're kind of raised up in church and they just kept going. And church became, watch this, a tradition for them. Let me tell you, we don't want to get into tradition here. Now, we do some traditional things, and I think that some of those traditional things are okay, but we don't ever want our, our uh, relationship with Jesus to become just a tradition. Come on, somebody. Because when that happens, you can, instead of realizing that you are miraculously saved, come on, you could be miserably saved. And you could still be going to church. You could still be doing those things. You might even still be filling up the kid's buddy barrel on Sundays. But you could still just be so grumpy. And I don't think that God calls you into a life of grumpiness. Come on. I don't think that God, I don't think that his plan for your life is for you to just be mad at everybody all the time. Come on, can I get, can, you, you with me on that? Some of y'all mad? You good? 
No? Okay, cool. All right. I don't think that's what he has for us. I think that God wants us to live life abundantly. And what does that mean? Does that mean that we're rich and running around, we got yachts and everything? No. Although I do say this every time we talk about life abundantly, if you do have a Tesla, I want to ride in it, okay? Just one time. That's all I want. But listen, I think that God wants you to live a good life. I think that God wants you to live a life filled with goodness. Does that mean that you might suffer sometimes? Yeah, we're all going to suffer sometimes. We're all going to face frustrations and things that just really uh, try to steal our joy. But I think that with God, our joy can be secure because our joy is not in the world. I love that song. Come on. We're going to sing it sometime. But our joy, when it's not in the world, it can be secure in Christ. Because let me tell you, the world can't take him away from you, church family. Come on. The world cannot take him away. They can slander his name, and they can tell lies, and they can try to say, well, this God thing doesn't really exist. You know, something in the universe just woke up one day, and and now here we are. They can try to teach you all that stuff, but as long as your identity, come on, uh, as long as your identity is in Christ, as long as your joy is in Christ, it doesn't matter what the world takes from you, what the world says about you, what the world does to you, they cannot take your joy. Come on, somebody. Come on. So look, um, we can live uh, stalled out, miserably, miserably saved lives, or we can move forward with purpose as those gloriously saved. And I think that's what God wants for you. I believe that God is a God of growth. I believe that he is a life-giving God. And so when I see someone that, that says, hey, I met Jesus, but they still are living a, a decaying and dead life, I kind of wonder. And I think, man, I need to pray for you because there's something missing. You're missing that joy and that fulfillment that comes with following Jesus. Listen, let me tell you this, this right here. This is something that you've got to remember. Salvation, watch this, is not the finish line. Come on, somebody. It is the starting line. Come on, let me say that again. Salvation is not the finish line. We don't get saved and say, hey, I did it, y'all. I'll see you. I'll, I'll be back Christmas. No, that's not what we do. When someone gets saved, we don't say, hey, man, you good? Just, you know, go do whatever you want to do, bro. We'll see you sometime, man. If you want to come back to church 20 years, I'll see you at a funeral or something. No, that's not it. Salvation is not the finish line, church family. It is the starting line. And when you get, when, when you come to a place and you get saved, what do we mean when we say saved? We mean that we give our life over to Jesus and that he rescues us from the mess that we had been laying in. So it's some messy stuff people lay in sometimes. And it's like you don't see it. Andy Stanley, when he's teaching about church management, he says, make sure that you have someone that either goes to your church or has or have someone on your staff that can see clutter. Because some people don't see clutter. But other people do. They're like, Pastor, hey Pastor, can I talk to you? And I'm like, Yeah, what's up, man? What's God telling you? God revealed something in your life, and you're like, Yeah, I noticed there were four. There were four pieces of dust in the fellowship hall in the corner. And they've been there two weeks. And I'm like, oh, four? Yes, it used to be five. I don't know what happened to the other. You know, like some people really can see that stuff. But listen, what I'm saying is that there, there are times in, li- in people's lives, maybe this is in your life. I know, I know it was for sure my life where you laid in your own mess that you, you created. And you just sat there and you, and you wonder... Why am I having a hard time? And you're laying there in all your mess. You're just kind of floating around in it. And it's nasty. My kids freaked out the other day because uh, we had a storm and the, the cover got knocked off of our pool. 
and some leaves fell in there and just some nasty, and the, the water started to kind of turn a little bit green. And my kids love to swim. They would swim every single day if we let them. And this time of year, we just about do. And so they ran, and Jonah was up on the ladder, y'all, and he was fixing to jump in. And I looked in that water, and I said, no, Jesus, you are not fixing to jump in that. It, was, it wasn't bad green, but it was fitting to get there. And y'all know how I feel about that kind of stuff. And so I said, no, you can't jump in that. And it was like, I had just disowned this kid. It was horrible, man. You can't swim just until the filter pulls all that out. It'll be one hour, dude. He was freaking out. Sometimes that's where our lives get. And so that's what we mean when we say saved, church families, that Christ pulls us away from that stuff. We want to swim around that scummy, nasty water. It'll cause a rash. But we, listen, we sit in that stuff, but Christ, Christ, uh, is the rescue. So salvation is not the finish line. It is the starting line. That's where, uh, I like to say this, that's where your real life can begin. Come on, because you thought you were living good, but when you get to know Jesus, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're not running around on the nicest tires. It doesn't matter if you're running around and, and you're, you're, you've lost uh, the world's riches because you've got true riches in your heart. Come on. So the first thing I want to look at this morning, how do we make sure that we are not running around grumpy, miserable, I'm saved. I love Jesus, but man, I'm bad at you. Ooh, one thing that just broke my heart. I love, um, <laughs> we frequent Chavos a lot. This is definitely a Chavo supporting church. Come on. <laughs> I've been thinking about just having our afterglows down there, man. <laughs> We're going to put Leo on as a deacon. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about something, which, listen, I'm proud of you guys. I, I believe that when we visit a restaurant as a church family, I, I believe that we treat our, 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 our hosts very well. I think, I think we do that. Please make sure you do that. But I remember visiting with someone one time. They were an Assemblies of God minister, but they had actually worked as a, as a waitress. And she said the worst people that would come into the restaurant were the church, the church crew, the church crowds. And I said, wow, that's so, that's so upsetting to me. And so it's because people just get grumpy. But... So here's the thing. Let's look at, I got four, four points for you this morning. Really, I got four and a half. Um, to remind you of how to make sure that we're not being grumpy Christians. We're not. Kind of, and I don't think, I think most of you guys are happy. Uh, and, and you think about the joy that Christ has put in your heart. But the first thing is work out your salvation. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians 2, he says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's something that I think is really important for us as Christians, for us as followers of Jesus, that when we come to know him, we don't just park it. Come on. When we come to know him, we don't just park it and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got a Bible. Cool. And then just chill out right there. I think that it's really important that we wake up and realize the gift that we've been given and we begin to move in that. Let me tell you this. The, the greatest tool of evangelism that you have is not something that I can give you, but it's the life that Christ can give you. Come on. The greatest tool of evangelism you have is not knocking on doors and, and, and praying for people, which that's great. And I, I love that, and I want us to do more of that. But the greatest tool of evangelism you have is the way that you live your life. Come on. 
It's the way that you live your life, the way that you work out that salvation, the way that you walk in that salvation. Uh, point one and a half is press on. Uh, uh, Paul writes in the next chapter of Philippians, chapter 3, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I want to tell you one of the most uh, impactful things that I ever saw in my life. There was an elderly minister, and I was listening to this guy speak. And I thought, man, this dude's got it. He's got it going on. This dude's been saved. He probably got saved with Moses. Like, he was that elderly. And this guy's got it going on. I'm just like watching him as a young minister, and I'm thinking he probably knows the, the whole Bible front and back. He could quote the whole thing. This dude has got it. Like if I need somebody to pray for me, I want this guy to pray for me because he's got like, he's just got it going on. But then I, I began to listen to this guy speak, and he didn't even know I was listening. I was kind of eavesdropping because he was talking to a group of pastors, and I was sitting close by, but there was a hunger there. And I thought, wow, come on, God. This guy, he's blazed trails upon trails upon trails in ministry and in life. And he's followed you for so long, but he is still as hungry as he was on day one. Church family, don't ever lose that hunger for God. Don't ever lose that hunger for growing in Christ. Come on. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for 10 years or two years. You still need to be pursuing him with everything you've got. Come on, married folks. You know how this works. If, if you've been married for 10 years and you're like, hey, we good. It's, you know, and you say, hey, I love you. You say that once every you know, month or so. You know, you've got to still maintain that relationship. Come on. And that's the same or, or maybe even more important with God. You have got to maintain that. You've got to pursue. And I just love hearing uh, people that are, that are a lot more elderly uh, speak about the hunger that they still have in their heart for God. They, they're not giving up. They're not saying, hey, I'm, I'm 86, 87 years old, and I've known Jesus since I was a teenager, and I'm good, and I'm, I'm cool. I'm just going to give up and just, you know, kind of phone it in. Know these people are still prayer warriors. Come on, they're still pursuing, and maybe they can't go and do like mission trips or, or all kinds of stuff. You know, maybe they're not going off the blob at kids camp anymore, although that would be kind of cool. Um, <laughs> it would be really interesting. Listen, but they still are pursuing Christ with a passion. Don't you ever lose that passion. Don't you ever lose that passion, because when you lose that passion for pursuit, that's when you start getting grumpy. That's when you start getting grumpy. That's when you start biting people's heads off at the grocery store. That's when you start coming to church and nitpicking on little kids that don't know any better about the way they're acting. <laughs> let, me, let me go over here. <laughs> no, no. Listen, that's when, and I, and I used to really struggle with this. Listen, y'all know me, okay? Some of y'all new folks, uh, I'm sure somebody will show you a picture one day of what Pastor JB used to look like when he was 15 years old, okay? But listen, there were two kinds of people. It was in this church. Let me, just, let me just give you some history. There were two kinds of people. There were the kinds of people that got upset with the way that I acted and the way that I dressed, and then there were those that were passionate for Jesus. And they saw that this was a little boy that had some problems, and they didn't nitpick, and they didn't worry. They say, you know what? God's got a plan for that kid. God's got a plan, and I'm going to trust that plan, and I'm going to love that kid. When you lose passion... And you, and you stop the pursuit and you say, hey, I'm good with what I've got. I don't need any more Holy Spirit in my life. That's when that 
ap- that apathy starts to just come in, and you don't even realize it till it's there. Let me go. Let me move on. We're gonna be here all morning. <laughs> the second point I've got is walk in freedom. Okay, listen. We're gonna realize what the gift that God has given us. Okay, we're not gonna sit on it. We're gonna realize what it is. We're gonna press on, not giving up, not slowing down, being passionate in our pursuit of Christ. The second thing is we're gonna walk in freedom. Paul says in Galatians 5, and we've we got a lot to read here, so bear with me. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Come on. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour, you better not bite me. If you, bite and dev- if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Come on, that's, that's something right there. So I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Come on, Brother Paul. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, ouch, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That's Galatians 5. So listen. I love the way they put this. We're going to walk in freedom. We're going to walk in freedom. Come on. We're going to walk in freedom. What does that mean? Get the Egypt out of you. Let me say that again. Get rid of whatever little bit of Egypt is still in you. You see, there was, there was a group of people that lived in slavery. They lived in bondage. They lived where they couldn't do what they were not. They, they, they did not have freedom. Come on. And God set them free. God got them out of Egypt. Come on, we all know that story. But what happened, church family? What happened? They got out in the, they got out in the desert. They got out to walking, and they started whining. And they still desired the things of Egypt. And those things came with The bondage, those things came with the chains. Let me tell you something. When you begin to follow Jesus, you're not going to be a joyful Christian if you've still got some Egypt in your heart. Come on. You are not going to be a joyful Christian. You are not going to be seen as somebody that has peace if you've still got some Egypt. Because, listen, we can go back and read and look at the history, what Moses had to deal with with these folks. They still loved Egypt so much. Let me tell you something. You cannot walk in a healthy marriage while you're still looking at something on the Internet that you shouldn't be looking at. You cannot walk in a healthy relationship with God if you're still looking back at Egypt. Come on. One of the most dangerous things about social media, let me, let me just preach for a minute, okay? Don't get the fire extinguisher yet. Listen, 
One of the most dangerous things you can do. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Somebody needs to hear what I'm about to say. When you get on your social media profile and look at somebody that you used to know, you know what I'm saying? When you say, I'm curious what she looks like now. I'm curious what she's... That's Egypt, man. Get your eyes away from Egypt. Because the promise is right there. It's right here. You better, you better get serious. You better get serious. Listen, that's heavy. But that's for somebody. Don't you be looking back at Egypt. Come on. Some of us, you've dealt with addiction. You've dealt with, with, with usage of, of chemicals that you put in your body. And, and Christ set you free from those things. You better walk in that freedom. Because when you don't, you lose that freedom. Come on. Have you ever met somebody that, that was incarcerated? Uh, Pastor Jason was sharing a story with me yesterday that there was a young man he knew that had some problems. Come on. Listen, what do we say here? Souls, not situations. Listen, I don't want you to break the law. And I believe in the rule of law. I believe that someone, my, my grandpa used to say, if you do the crime, you do the time. But listen, I believe in that. And I believe in, in, in getting rid of the chaos. But I don't want to see people stuck in prison forever. I don't want to see that. Listen, I love those people. Christ loves those people. You know what? We might not love the things those, those people are doing, but those are situations. Forget the situation. Let's look at the soul. But Pastor Jason was sharing a story with me and Dustin yesterday about a young man that, that had gotten incarcerated. And then he got out. And he had freedom, family. And that freedom should have been celebrated. And that freedom should have been protected. But started looking back at Egypt. And ended up right back in chains. That's what will happen every single time that you do not walk in your freedom. Come on. You guys know this. That you don't walk in that freedom. Forget Egypt exists. Forget that it's back there. Because the more you turn away the more you turn back towards Egypt, the less you look at the promise. Come on. That's for somebody this morning. Get the Egypt out of you. Number three. So that was walk in freedom. How do you, how do you avoid being miserably saved? Saying, I know Jesus, but I'm still dealing with a bunch of stuff. The, the, that was walk in freedom. The third thing, live gifted lives. Come on. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, as for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, thank you, Jesus, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us prepared in advance for us to do. Live gifted lives. What does that mean? I can play drums good? No. That's Terry's job and Clayton's job. Does that mean that you're the, a great speaker? No. God gave you a gift of salvation. Walk in that. And listen, I think that God equips you. I think that God equips you to do great things. Come on, we love saying that hashtag, do great things. I think that God equips you for that. Don't walk around worried about the same old stuff. Don't walk around thinking, I can't do this. I'm a little bitty. No, come on. God has plans for you. You were created. Come on, we put on our sign this week. You were created for a purpose. The month of June, various identities are celebrated. I saw a picture that came across my news feed, and it was like an explosion of different colors. And every one of those colors represented a different identity. And I think that the world... Listen, if, 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 I, if, you, if you're having an identity crisis, I love you. And I think the answer is Jesus. I think when you put your identity in Christ, that everything, that peace begins to flow. But it just, it bothered me because I thought, this is so chaotic. There's such chaos. And it was just a little circle. But it had like 150 different, different colors. And everyone was a different. And they keep updating. And I thought, this is so chaotic. When God created us for a purpose and God gifted us with life and God gifted us with, with salvation, but we can go and create all these different avenues, create all these different things we can do. Listen, church family, live a gifted life knowing, well, here's the gift, knowing who you are in Christ. You want to see somebody that's grumpy, Somebody that's leaning on religion and not relationship. Now listen, the Bible talks about religion in a favorable way. But it talks a lot more about relationship. And I think when, when you get out of the Word and you just let me do your Bible study for you, listen, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to, to, to preach and teach and say what... What God wants me to say, but if you're not having that personal closeness, then I think you're going to mess up. And I think that that's one reason that we see people that, that say, hey, I love Jesus, but they're grumpy. And they're struggling with all these different things. And they just, even though they know the answer and they know the answer's name, they still just don't seem to get it. I think they're not walking in that gift. They're not knowing that what God gave them is special. I love saying, bro, you're too, bre you're, too, you're too blessed to stress, man. Come on. When Satan begins to attack you, I want you to remind him. I've been given a gift, and you can't take it away. Come on. You can't, you can't, you can't call me names. You can't remind me of where I was and take away the gift that God gave me. I'm going to hold on to this tight, and I'm going to remember this. And I'm going to live a gifted life. 
And the fourth thing I want to I want to give you this morning is one of my favorites. You know, we're talking about Pentecost. And when we teach Pentecost here, we remind that Pentecost is not about a heavenly language, although that is a New Testament thing, and that is part of Pentecostalism, and that is a good thing. And we, we want you to, we're talking about speaking in tongues. We want you to speak in tongues. We want you to use that gift of the Spirit. But that's not Pentecost. Listen, Pentecost is life change. I believe that every New Testament Christian is Pentecostal. And I love saying this to our church, our church friends that don't have Pentecostal in their, on their sign. <laughs> I was like, man, you're Pentecostal, dude. And they're like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. If you believe the New Testament, you are. Because Pentecost is not about being loud. Pentecost is not about jumping up and down. It's not about walking on the, you know, oh, do you got swing from the chandeliers? No, we don't. Because they will break. Because although we are charismatic, we're also very blessed. All right? Pentecost is not about charisma, although that's great. Pentecost is not about all those things. It's about living a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's about living a life that is changed and different. And so I celebrate. Come on, I love asking you to celebrate when we start singing, when we end singing. Halfway through a song, pastor's going to ask y'all to celebrate because I love having the joy of Christ in my life. Come on. And that's part, for me, that's part of being a Pentecostal is that I walk through that, through all the things that, that Satan can throw at me. And I say, hey, you know what? That's pretty crazy, devil. What you just did. Whoa, that freaked me out, man. But I'm still good. You didn't take my joy away. That's what Pentecostals look like. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. So I didn't know. Now, now I'm preaching the Pentecost Sunday message. So listen, I didn't know that there was anything different growing up as a kid. I grew up in this church. I was dedicated in this church. Come on. And uh, so it's really cool for me to be able to dedicate my kids in this church. I was baptized in this church. And so I, I, you know, I heard the words Baptist and, and Catholic and Methodist and, and all those different things growing up. But I didn't really understand. And then I realized at some point that not every church operated in the gifts of the Spirit like we do here. Back then it was First Assembly. Now it's community church. I didn't realize that. And I remember the first time I ever went to a church that did not believe in charismatic worship. Come on, I love being charismatic in worship. Y'all, sometimes I get so carried away over here, I'll, be, I'll look over at Christine and I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, it's too late now, man. I don't sing the, the whole song wrong. So, but, I, you know, I feel good. Listen, I remember the first time I walked into a church that was not charismatic and didn't have that, that difference, that oomph in their worship. And I thought, man, what's going on here? And I didn't know. God, I didn't, Mike, I didn't know the rules. And they got through singing the song. I was like, come on, Jesus. And everybody in their church was like. And I was like, oh, Amen. You know, I didn't know it was against the rules. But listen, that's not, listen, I'm not trying to get on to somebody. I just love it. I just love being charismatic. And I just love that joy and that goodness that, that, that I feel 
when I talk about Jesus and the good things that he's done for me, come on, and the good things that he's done for you and the good things that he is going to do for you. Come on. We think, we testify. We had Ben up here last week. Come on. And that was so good. You know, he's got almost 500 views on his testimony that he gave. That's 500 people that got to hear a message, a testimony of the goodness of God. Come on. Serve with joy. That's my last thing this morning. Serve with joy. And I think that as a Pentecostal, that's where we really get excited. Because there is an empowerment. Family, when you get full of the Holy Spirit, and just like on the day of Pentecost, come on, a mighty rushing wind came. And they, they began to speak in other languages as, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And what does Brother Peter do, man? He gets up. He preaches a message. I sat there and I read it last night. And I thought, man, we're, we're definitely not reading that in church because it's long. But I read the message that Peter, that Peter preached. And all these people came running, came running to the name Christ. That's Pentecost. Pentecost is when you serve with such joy and such empowerment that people see the life you lead. And they don't see, oh, he's blessed, man. He got a nice uh, skeeter boat. That's not what they look at. They look at the joy in your heart. And they look at the peace in your heart. And that although you may walk through a valley and all kinds of stuff may happen on your left and on your right, you still stand. You still make it through because the Holy Spirit has given you strength. That's Pentecost. Come on. Listen, let me tell you, I love being charismatic. I love when the gifts of the Spirit are used in this, in, this, in this house. I love it when I visit somewhere and they're used. And it's so, it's so great. But Pentecost, true Pentecost, is when we leave this place and begin to impact our world. That's what Pentecost is all about. Come on. So we serve with joy. Would you stand with me this morning? We serve with joy joy. This morning, I don't have, you know, you can always tell when a pastor's getting ready to close, because you start talking real low. And they close their Bible. I do it too, y'all. <laughs> I, I still got my notes on my phone, though. Listen, they close their Bible and say, well, maybe today. Listen, maybe today, we're not going to do that this morning. We're going to celebrate as we leave this place, because I believe so strongly that God has a big plan for you. Come on. I went out there yesterday morning, and I was putting them letters on that sign, and I was so happy. I was praising God, and then some wasps came out, and I said, no, not today, Satan, and I, I did run. But I came back, and, and I put that on that sign. You were created for a purpose. Come on. Because the world can talk about identity, and they can come up with a bunch of different ideas, but I know this. The true identity that you have is in Christ. And you are created for a purpose. And the world might tell you, hey, you don't know what your purpose is. We'll help you find it. And we'll be confused together. No, family. Your purpose is in Christ. Come on. And woo, your purpose is in him. And I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate. And I'm going to serve with joy. It doesn't matter if it's a hard day. Come on. You might feel down for a little bit. But you know what? That's okay. Listen, just because you're a Christian, just because you're a Pentecostal, doesn't mean that you've got to, like, Never 
be upset about anything. You see Christians walk around, they're all smiles all the time. Hi. Uh, you know, you a psycho, okay? People get upset. It's okay to get upset. It's the what happens after. Come on. There is restoration and there is joy even in the midst. Come on, somebody. So this is my prayer for you this morning, that you would serve with joy and that you would have an unbreakable spirit and that the power of the Holy Spirit would flow freely in your life, in your home, and in your family. That God would give you the ability to minister to others. Doesn't matter if you're not a pastor. Doesn't matter. God can give you the ability to minister. God can give you a word to speak. God can give you a time and place to be, to stand with somebody when they're going through something. It's my prayer this morning that you walk an empowered Pentecostal life. Come on, somebody. That you get out there and you follow that purpose and you chase Christ with a passion. Come on. Woo, man. That's what we celebrate. Can we just do that this morning? Can we celebrate together that we have purpose, that we have I wish you would have hit an organ. That would have been crazy. <laughs> that we have purpose and we can have passion for Christ. That's Pentecost. Amen. Let me pray over you before we leave this place. God, I just am so thankful for this group of people.